Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tag One Team Talks. Today is an exciting episode. I'm really, really happy about today's topic because we're going to be talking about static site building and static site generation at the Department of Veteran Affairs or the VA.gov website. I'm Preston So. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Tag One Consulting. I'm also Senior Director of Product Strategy at Oracle and also the author of the, the only book on decoupled Drupal, decoupled Drupal in Practice. Today, I'm joined by Michael Myers, Managing Director at Tag One Consulting, and our guest today, Neil Hastings, Technical Lead for the Core CMS team at VA.gov. Let's go ahead and jump right into this topic today. Um, so Neil, you know, I think static sites, right? Jamstack, these buzzwords have been coming up all the time. So one thing I wanted to kind of dig at is I think a lot of people have been, you know, hearing about this new, what I call kind of the second wave of static site generators, you know, not so much the, the old days of Jekyll or, or some of those older projects, but some of these new ones that are popping up like Gatsby as part of the, what we call the Jamstack. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, what exactly is driving people towards this? And why would anyone want to use something like a static site generator, especially this kind of new second wave that's coming up? Yeah, the Jamstack is really interesting. And I, I you know, used Jekyll in the past. When I came to the VA.org project, the, the site being up all the time is mission critical. Like you said before, it's a mission critical application. If we go down then uh, a veteran could not be able to know the information about getting to the hospital and not know if, where to go if a hurricane comes up. They rely on this information for a lot of really important information. So people are driven by like the separation of, of front-end display from content. It's just a natural separation, high performance. It's high scalable. It's highly secure. You don't have a PHP website you know, delivering. Um, in our case, we're using AWS and S3 to deliver everything. So we didn't have a web server. I don't I don't have 2 a.m. pages anymore. Where I have to get up and go, you know, bring the site back up, right? It's always there. So those are some great benefits we have with the static site generation. And that's a really, you know, I think for, for all of us who have experience with those pages, right? I mean, I remember being on call 24 seven and uh, having to get a page. You know, one story I always tell is, is getting a page and um, having to go into a McDonald's to get their free Wi-Fi and fixing <laughs> up one of these uh, active actively running servers. Yeah. So static files are definitely something that I think is infinitely scalable, right? Cause they're just, you know, static files. But one thing I wanted to do just before we, we, we jump into some of the kind of pros and cons you know, this second wave of static site generators is kind of part of this new model called the Jamstack, right? Mm -hmm. JavaScript, APIs, markup. A lot of people are talking about it. There's a large community starting to emerge around this. But let's talk a little bit about what are some of the disadvantages of this. And I think this also harkens back to some of the disadvantages that came up from the first generation of static site generators as well, where there is a manual step. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. So with any, you know, it's just a trade-off, right? So with, with that great scalability of those static HTML files, there's static HTML files. So editorial content being pushed, you got to figure out how to get new updates out. What does your build pipeline look like? How complex is that? How fast, are pub uh, how fast is content going to be published? So a, a big piece we have at the, the VA is managing editorial editor expectations of how long the content takes to get out. Our, our particular front end is driven by some static content, some React widgets. It's kind of a, a mix of the, those two level, the two different types that you mentioned. We have kind of a mix in there. There's definitely React widgets. We have a public API. But there's also a traditional static build in there. So that kind of 
that that's adds a lot of complexity. And if any large organization over time, we would kind of move from one one level to the next level, and as we go, yeah. So and. Our particular team, our particular situation also, we actually have different teams that manage the different systems. So I'm I'm on the CMS team, which we go up to the GraphQL, we use GraphQL, GraphQL API. Everything on the other side, so the constant bill is, is actually a different team. We cross over from time to time to help each other. Mostly it's CMS team going to the build side, but at the same time, like I, there's, I don't own that code. So I can do pull requests through repository. I, you know, my, my project manager doesn't own that situation. So we have two different teams that manage that. So that kind of different team also, which is also an advantage, right? So you, cause you can scale teams separately and you can, you know, build those out your, your very specialties of skills, you know, Drupal skill is different than a CSS HTML skill. And instead of like having a Drupal person, who's also a theming themer, traditional Drupal themer, that person can be HTML, JavaScript, can do the, the coolest things with React, uh, not have to know, not have to know Drupal itself. So that's kind of a neat mix there. And I think it's really interesting, Neil. You mentioned a couple of really interesting aspects to this VA.org project, which I think really bear mentioning. Which is that you know, first and foremost, you've got a clean separation of concerns between the people working on your content and those who are working on the front end architecture, which is I think one of the really big advantages of of decoupling Drupal or or using Drupal solely as a uh, backend system. But then the other thing I think that is really interesting that you mentioned is that you're actually able to mix and match and you know not only use Metalsmith, but also use React and put in some of these more dynamic components, which I think is part of this second wave of static yeah. site generation that we're seeing. Um, so one question I had was, you know, I know that you all are on Metalsmith. I used to work for Gatsby, so so I've okay. got <laughs> some experience with that. What are some of the other static site generators or tools or frameworks that that you've worked with and that you like? Absolutely. So I use a lot of the more traditional la first layer ones, Jekyll, I'm a little bit with Hugo in the past. Gatsby is definitely one we're evaluating right now, kind of doing proof of concepts. We're looking at migrating off of Metalsmith. It's kind of an older, we're in an older version. They don't have things like incremental builds. Gatsby's incremental build stuff they just announced is really cool. We're really excited about that. Incremental builds is the future for us. Um, Next.js is something we've, we play with a little bit. We actually tried to implement Tomb, which is a Drupal module. That wasn't great for our use case. And we, we rolled that back recently. We're moving we were moving to a different model, but those are all ones we've used in the past. They're all great for different situations. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, I definitely used Jekyll and Hugo in the past. They're both great, both solid, but I agree. I think some of the, you know, I know that some of these projects like Gatsby, Next.js, I think Tom might be actually looking at this too, looking at kind of, you know, how do we limit the amount of time it takes for these builds to actually generate? Because the time durations can be pretty long, especially for a site, I imagine that's as large as VA.org, right? Yes, that's right. So our, our build pipeline is, is very complicated because it not only pulls in content from Drupal, but also pulls in some content from a old markdown that was the old version. So they had a, originally had a Jekyll site the original site was a Jekyll site. That content got migrated to Drupal, but not all the content. So some of the contents in a GitHub repository markdown files, some of it's in Drupal, some of it's um, combining custom React widgets. So the build pipeline actually pulls all this stuff together into one VA.gov site. So on the VA.gov site, I mean, it's, it's I can pull up some analytics. I was gonna pull up the VA, via Google Analytics, but if I remember, look, we have, we get millions of hits like a day. So this is, it's a very high, load site we do what you expect um our cms we currently have around 120 active users 
we're editors and we're going to expand to around a thousand within the, this year, active editors on the site. So that's a lot of stuff going on at once. That's just, we have a lot going on. And the, the biggest, like we talked about a couple of times, the biggest issue we're dealing with right now is the time it takes to publish. So our entire build pipeline takes almost an hour to do the entire build end to end. So before, so getting the site to live. So, which is, which is a long time. Right now we, we build twice a day. To, so our editors can only get our content from Drupal live twice a day. The React widgets are live all the time. We have a facilities API, benefits information. Those parts are live, live data from a live API. But the Drupal content is only published twice a day. And getting that pipeline done is the biggest thing. This is the problem we're having right now. We've, we've tried to address this in several ways. We've improved GraphQL queries. So GraphQL queries, they used to do this one large one. It used to take an hour just to run it. Now we run it and we've several, several small ones. And that takes about five to 10 minutes now to run, to build, to get all the content. That's just going to, just going to keep continue to grow. Right. So without it, it, we have to do a full site rebuild every time we, we deploy our content. So every HTML page gets recreated. All the content gets pulled. It's basically doing an entire Drupal database dump into JSON and another, another system is processing that data. Um, that's not super efficient, right? So incremental builds is the future. We have to go there one page at a time. Um, but tons of tons of problems there, tons of potential, you know, complexities there with dependencies of page and links and not just like links within Drupal are one thing easy to manage. But remember, we said this is always content from all over the place. So how do we know if a page on Drupal has content pointing to a different content repository and when to update when? So it's it's an interesting problem to solve. Actually, I love these kind of things. So I'm excited about it. <laughs> One thing that I'm hoping to see in the near or, or maybe far future is a way that we can almost make builds so incremental that they're streamed to the point where, you know, you know, anytime you save something in your CMS, it just kind of, you know, sends that tiny little chunk over. Cause you know, Neil, you, yeah. you, you identified one of the really core issues, right? Which is that any website, and by the way, by, you know, I have to make a correction here because the show notes said va.org, but we're actually talking about va.gov. So yes. I just want to be very clear that we're talking about va.gov, not va.org. So one of the things I think that's really hard is that with a, you know, as you said, mission critical application like va.gov, this is a, this is a content, you know, a, a corpus of content that is constantly growing, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have more and more information constantly being uploaded. You also got to potentially archive that information so that people can refer back to previous versions of content. So there's never going to be a situation where you're going to reduce the amount of content that's right. ever represented in one of these static site builds. That's that's 100 true. We're, we are a government organization, so we do have laws that government want to allowed and not allowed to do. And archiving content is in there, and there's visibility of content and accessibility laws we have to make sure we're following. So the archivability, we are, every yeah, part of that build process I was talking about is we use S3 bucket version. So at the, every deploy to S3 is a new version. So that, that whole site is archived there. Within Drupal, nothing's deleted. Everything's, we have an archive state in our workflow, um, but nothing's ever deleted. So content's always gonna grow, right? We use revisions for everything. So revisions are just gonna be constantly growing databases. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I definitely want to talk more about the build pipeline because I think there's a lot of interesting uh, things to talk about in there. But one thing I think is also really interesting, and this you know goes back to obviously um, the spirit of open source and uh, tag one, and of course you know the idea of open and publicly available civic technology. Um, so what I understand is that 
va.gov is actually completely open source, front end and back end across the stack. And I believe that this is available even on GitHub. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what what's what's kind of, you know, for, first of all, what's out there in the open? Um, how, you know, have, have people been contributing? And also, what's it like to be in the open like this? Yeah, it's actually what drew me to this project in the first place. I was looking, I wanted to do government work, but so much of it is traditional behind behind the scenes. You don't, nothing's visible, no transparency. This is an amazing project. Um, we have a GitLab, it's a Department of Veteran Affairs GitHub page. And our, there are, if you go to that page alone, that org, there's tons of stuff on there I mean, for anybody. The main repo is on there. There's a VetStash website, and that's the front end build. There's a va.gov slash CMS, that's the Drupal CMS, and there's a VAGO-team one, and that's what most teams use to manage their issues. Um, there's a lot more behind the scenes, a lot more libraries and lots of other stuff. But so anybody in the world can go to and spin up the site. They, they can, they can well, as long as you have access to GitHub, you can clone the CMS, You can, which is Drupal. You can run, we, we use Lando for, and with Docker. So you spin up the Lando instance. We have a startup script that pulls down a sanitized database, which is, it's all public data. It's all data. It's just the only thing that sanitizes the user information, right? Everything else is in there. So you can go pull that in, spin up a Drupal site, spin up that site, and you have the Drupal CMS the way it is for our editors, exactly the same. Same with the front end. You can spin up the front end. You can spin up the Vets API, which is a Ruby backend. All that you can spin up and, and you create the whole infrastructure outside of our, our pipeline. That's what we do. So like we have a CI pipeline that spins it up separately. We use the same scripts everywhere, which is really cool to be in the open. And not only is our code in the open, but our entire process is in the open. So we, on our CMS team repo, um, a CMS repo, we actually have, you can go in there now and search for, we use, we always use ZenHub also to manage. We use ZenHub. It's a plugin for Chrome um, that manages issues. It kind of, kind of gives you a little board within GitHub, but we use that to manage all our epics and all our user stories and tasks and all the PRs are public. Everything's so anybody can go in there and do a review. We've had a couple of people when we were doing interviewing for new people to come on, we actually, some, some of them would go in there and do PRs. So like <laughs> just before they even got the job, right? So they'd go and do PRs and we ended up hiring one of the guys that did that. And so it's, it's definitely cool to have that out there. It's a little nerving because you get to be you get to be a little more diligent about what you write in your issues and your commits. And I mean, you got to remember this is a government, a very serious government organization. So we use emojis and we smile. We kind of try to be fun with as much as we can, but you, you just still have to be cognizant of your audience, right? So, and I, I think it's great. So, we'll, you know, all of our, our initiatives are out there and like, so I think it's that's kind of important knowing that these are American tax dollars I'm spending. They're paying my salary. They're just doing all this work. They're paying for GitHub. They're, they're paying for all this stuff. So I think it, it's everyone should know what's going on. Anybody should be able to get to, get to it, in my opinion. So I'm excited. That's pretty part of this organization and um, what we're doing. So, yeah. Well, I got to say, Neil, I really wish that more people had that perspective of open government, not only in the public sector around the world, but also in the corporate world as well. You know, I think we would all benefit from learning from, you know, all of the work you're doing and the processes that you've set up. I just took a look myself at the GitHub repository, incredibly well-documented, you know, incredibly friendly, very clear in terms of how things work. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to go onto GitHub and uh, visit the Department of Veterans Affairs organization and check out some of the open repos that are there. Um, that's really cool. So we talked a little bit about 
just, you know, we, we touched on the CI pipeline and I want to get back to that a little bit later. And we also talked a little bit about, you know, what it's like to be operating this kind of open government code base. Let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the ways in which your team works together. Um, I think, you know, obviously, as you said, millions of people are hitting this website um, all the time. And I just wanted to ask, you know, just before we go, go back to the technology a little bit is, you know, what is it like to be working on the VA.gov team as a content editor, as a technologist? There's so many teams, there's so many tools, right? But how has the number of teams interacting with this architecture and the team size in terms of developers, how has that impacted the decisions that you've made? Yeah, that's a um, great question. Well, we are very blessed to be open and transparent. We're still a government organization and there's still the contract similar. So a lot of the, we like to say your sometimes your technology choices are dependent on contract <laughs> and the teams are but being part of this overall platform we kind of call the platform team within the va and va.gov all these different companies there's at least five or six different contracting companies very large ones all work all very work together very well i, I don't feel the the isolation between teams even between like even with on this on the cms team there's there are two different contracting companies right so that's just that's more of a government structure the way that it works it's a lot of complexity as far as who owns different pieces like, like i talked about before our code pipeline is incredibly complicated and there's not one team that owns the entire thing so there's at least three different teams we have cms team we have a front end tools team we have a an ops team all three of those teams and we actually contribute in some way I said three, but I was wrong. There's actually currently five teams because we have two different product teams that build products on top of the platform that, and, and they actually also build on top of the same pipeline. They had the, temp, the HTML templates and stuff like that. They work on the GraphQL queries and HTML templates. So there's all these different teams. And what's been amazing is that we all came together to, you know, realize the problems we have of, of the build pipeline speed, how long it takes. So we're, we're solutioning together, working together, where we're going to figure the next steps together. We're going to implement it together. So while it's, it's, it's definitely complicated, we're having the different levels of product management, different levels, even product owners, there's, there's groups within the VA that own the different products themselves. So all those different competing priorities come up, but we'll, you know, it works out pretty well in the end for the veterans, I think. And I think, you know, that's ultimately what you all are doing this for, right, is for uh, American veterans and, and, and for those who have served our country. And I think it's really easy when we talk about the technology, when we talk about these build pipelines, it's easy to forget that there's a human side to all of this, not only the people that we have to work with and the people we have to build these solutions for, but also the end users who are who are going to be really benefiting from the applications that we produce. So, yeah. so I wanted to so I wanted to ask a little bit about some of the uh, tech stack here. We we so we touched on the backend. We talked, you know, we touched on the Drupal editorial piece. We touched on Metalsmith as well. You know, as you mentioned, it's pulling from multiple sources. There are these React widgets that are in there. So let's go back a little bit to the to the CI pipeline. I mean, mm -hmm. you walked us a little bit through the build pipeline. What are you using in terms of your continuous integration process? I see that you know you mentioned, for example, that you're using Jenkins. But like, what other kind of tools are in the mix? And after that, I'd love to hear a little bit about your deployment pipeline too. 
Sure. So Jenkins is our main main our main system or building orchestration system right now. We're actually evaluating other solutions or our main ops team. We're building an entirely new stack, Docker all Docker based, Kubernetes based on AWS. So the other tools that we use, we use GitHub Actions on the Drupal site a lot to run a lot of code quality tests. We use Circle CI a bit, though we're honestly kind of moving off of Circle CI to GitHub Actions more. That and that's one of those government contractual things. I'm just that's the direction from above telling which way to go. Uh, so that's what we're going to give out of actions, which has been, which has been great. Um, this went up pretty fast. For the CMS team itself, we actually use Tugboat for our ICI. And Tugboat, it's a tool made by Lullabot. They, it's all Docker, 100% Docker based. We transitioned onto it recently, as in December is when we first transitioned. And it's been an amazing tool to iterate. We, we, our CI piloting before is more traditional, one big server using Apache vHost and stuff. Since moving over to Docker and Tugboat, we've been able to upgrade PHP, Drush, because we were on Drush 8 for a while. Just recently, last week, actually, we got to Drush 10. So exciting. I mean, all these tools we couldn't upgrade because of our, our previous stack. We'd break things. Now we're upgrading them very quickly. So it's a very exciting stack there. I could talk, I could do a whole conversation about Tugboat. Yeah, so those are the main tools we use. Like Jenkins is the, is the main one. We have a, the main system that we, we deploy into is called BRD. It's called Build, Release, and Deploy. The build pipeline is based upon uh, GitHub commits. So a commit gets created runs the test suite, runs any kind of build that's needed, creates creates the artifact, and then pushes that to GitHub as a release. And then those releases might then be deployed by a deploy job within Jenkins right now. So, you know, you know, you used to share, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people are struggling with right now, which is when do I make that jump, right? When do I make that jump from things like Apache and this old way of doing things over into more, you know, containerized architectures, more of the sort of test driven development, even that, that tugboat and those sorts of things enable. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about your kind of build pipeline, which is, you know, obviously part of that BRD or, or BDR. I always get those letters. B BRD. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, deploy pipeline, because I think that's a really interesting uh, part of this. One of the things that I think many people who are listening to this or watching this might not realize is that when it comes to static sites, there is both a build step and a deployment step. And both of those things are incredibly important and, and are very different from the previous ways of doing this kind of continuous integration. So one thing I know about your deploy pipeline is obviously you're, you're pushing up to S3, but let's talk a little bit about some of the really exciting things that you're doing in the deploy pipeline. You hinted earlier at doing things like link checking. Can you talk a little bit more about what's involved there? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our deploy pipeline, before any code goes out, we have certain checks that, that occur to make sure that we don't bother like the veterans. Like, so this is all, remember, this is all about making sure the veterans get the services. We have a really complex link checking service that goes through and goes through every HTML page that was there. It, it makes, it runs, it runs within a Docker container and I'm not sure the details at the top of my head, but it, it makes sure every link is real and it doesn't go to a 404 page. Um, and that that kind of 404 page might happen if someone publishes a link to a page that's not published yet, or they publish content that's not ready to be published. Many, many times we've caught content that someone published it, but it wasn't ready to be published and it had a link to something else on it. And that actually stopped the, the deploy from going out. So we stopped someone from putting out, pushing out pages that weren't ready to be pushed out yet. Like when we're migrating from some of the healthcare facilities from their old sites, which use team sites to Drupal, 
one time when someone mash published one of the facilities and it wasn't ready yet. But the link checker caught that and didn't go out. So it was a, it was a great, great check. And other things it does, like I said before, we, everything's versioned because it would have to be. So it keeps an archived copy of the old site. All these releases are done. We use all Git, GitHub releases. So you can go to GitHub, the tags and releases, and, and you know, get all the content that releases. What's kind of interesting is it also pushes a, a release to Composer. So the VETS website, which is the static site, we use Composer to pull that into the Drupal side to run to our ICI test against it, make sure we can still build. So that's kind of an interesting mix of pulling a JavaScript website into a Drupal website. And we use Composer to do that because that way they, they tag releases within and they, take, they do tags and releases within GitHub. And then we have Dependabot that runs with a GitHub, it's a GitHub service. Dependabot does a PR every day. We just merge that PR in and the next deploy we're updated. Otherwise we're running tests against old stuff. And we have some demo sites. Our CI pipeline also holds demo sites. So when, like I told, talked about those facilities that are moving from old sites to, to Drupal, we use Tugboat to stage all the content. So they'll go on there and, and otherwise they're publishing content that's old. And yeah, so that deploy pipeline pushes stuff to static S3. And then that's basically it, right? We don't deploy to an Apache server. We don't have to worry about like a file system changes. There's no, there's no server, you know, that's, and that's a really different part. Like the, yes, some people out there, but there's a server in AWS. Yes, there is. But it's for, from my perspective, there's no server. I just push to S3 object store and that's it. Like, and it's, that's super simplified perspective, right? There's always DNS. We have load balancers. And when you go to the va.gov website, you're not actually going to AWS directly. You're hitting some kind of F, some infrastructure that I'm not even aware of because it's it's a, some kind of F5 load balancer that gets routed, it gets routed, it gets routed. But eventually, it just ends up from my perspective, from my user's perspective, is like really not really any servers. So, which is really cool. And that's so cool. I mean, you know, I just just now I loaded VA.gov, you know, hadn't visited it before. It loaded so blazing fast. I mean, it was so fast. I have never seen a US government website load this quickly in any situation yeah. ever, Thanks. including like things like whitehouse.gov, which which did load pretty quick back in the day. This is amazing. I mean, and I think one of the things that's really amazing about this architecture, Neil, and and I really do have to commend you and the team for this is that there is so much underlying complexity and so much under under the hood activity going on, as you mentioned, GitHub Actions, doing all of these task runs. Also, some of the really interesting things around dependency management with mm -hmm. Composer and Dependabot. But to the end user, it's just an S3 bucket. It's just an object yeah. store. There's literally, it's just a series of static files. And that I think is, is the beauty of you know, the ways in which we're really using these static site generators in a way that is extremely alien to how they were originally used, which is like basic blogs, you know, basic, you know, static websites mm -hmm. into this fully fledged application layer, which I think is, is really striking. So, so we've talked about, we've used the word site and application kind of interchangeably here. Right. And I think there's a sense of, you know, well, okay, S3 buckets, that, that's just a, that's just a site, you know, it's just assets. But let's talk a little bit about that interactivity with those React widgets, the end user experience. Now, I understand that you you all have a project known as Lighthouse, mm -hmm. and just for the the readership, the viewership, the listenership, this is not Google's Lighthouse project, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but this is a, the VA's own Lighthouse project. Tell us more about this Lighthouse API. 
Hundred percent. So, like, like we talked about before, the the, the build pipeline pulls stuff from all over the place, and then we have these React widgets that pull real time data. So, the data it pulls, we have a public API that anyone can access and go create an account on. It's the URL is developer.va.gov. You can go register an account, and a little some of the history behind that URL, behind that site, it was originally set up for people to share their VA medical information with like Google Health and like those other the other. So, when you set up an account on VA, you can actually link your medical information to it as a veteran. It's grown a lot. Like, like, like if you if you go in there into the and you kind of you poke around in some of the different areas we have. I'm kind of looking at there myself. So there's lots of different areas. So there's benefits information in there, and and all this is backed by a kind of a Nginx load balancer, and we have kind of which uses what does it use? Can't remember the system off the top of my head. The, the API.va.gov is eventually backed by Ruby by a Rails system, and that's again, it's all public and go access, which I think is also really cool. The open data, open gov sort of initiatives that's in there. Yeah, and one thing I think that's really interesting about this is, you know, as we see more and more government agencies begin to open up APIs and developer ecosystems, the possibilities are endless, right? I can just imagine somebody using the benefits API in Lighthouse or the health API in Lighthouse to build a chatbot for veterans, right? Or or, or a voice user interface, right? Especially for veterans who have been injured during, you know, due to some sort of an IDE mm-hmm. and they can't look at a screen for too long. They want to use something that's verbal instead of something that's visual. It's a really compelling, compelling thing. I that's, actually want to dig into this. That's actually pretty amazing. And the funny thing, chat, but we actually have a chatbot project in works. They're working on it right now. And the chatbot, they're working with also not just a connecting real people together, but also kind of doing some more AI based stuff where it tries to answer questions based upon the Q&A information. So they're within the CMS, there's a Q&A set up, like content type where you put all information in. And reading from that and being able to answer veterans' questions based upon that QA information. So that's something we're working on. Um, there's a team working on that where they integrate with our GraphQL system again to build out that. That's another another piece of the puzzle. It's that's a great idea though. Yeah, that's amazing. I would love to hear more about that. You know, I I uh, I worked on a team that built out a very similar question and answer machine for the Georgia.gov website. Um, okay. It's actually, believe it or not, the subject of my upcoming book this summer about voice <laughs> content. So, okay, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely want to talk more about that. So, you know, as we know, you know, and as you've mentioned several times, right, there's, you can't have this kind of amazing architecture that's open and transparent, but also is doing this amazing orchestration of all of these different integrations and all of these different environments without having some challenges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, you know, what are some of the, some of the, you know, I know you've mentioned some of the plans for improvements coming up. I know you're looking at Gatsby potentially for evaluation, but what are some of the kind of other challenges you face with the infrastructure, like build pipeline problems, GraphQL server problems, and especially when it comes to, you know, obviously some of the users we have to serve who are those editors who build the content for, for our veterans. Yeah, thanks. It, it- there are the trade-offs. Even though I'm not up at 2 a.m., I still have a server to manage. I still have expectations of it being up, it being performant. And we and I, you know, it's not I say me, it's it's my team. We have an amazing team that, that keeps everything running very well. The GraphQL server, so I talked a little bit about how we changing the change our queries around before, but the load on our Drupal server, it's 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 a lot. We we build pretty often. So the CI all the CI pipelines hit our database, the same database that they use and that and that same the videos the editors are using right so that that can be a performance problem we have you know our 
CPU issues, with RDS. It, it's really complicated. We're actually working a lot, you know, working a lot on mitigating that. Yeah. Uh, as far as, like we said, that since we have the separation of the front end build and we have the content system, kind of editorial expectations, right? So traditional Drupal, traditional CMS, you press save, press publish, and it's there. You don't have that here. You have to wait for the build pipeline to go out. You have to wait. Could it be an hour? Could it be 12 hours till the next deploy goes out for your content, right? So setting that expectation and communicating that information back to an editor on that page is very important. We have things like link checking and, and when you're on a page, is the URL you're on actually live? So they can kind of look at that. But again, that, that's a whole totally different sort of thing. We have documentation all over the place. So like I said, lots of different teams, lots of different documentation. So there's documentation within the CMS of the readme documentation, there's, there's diagrams, with different, we have different tools. We use like Mural and Whimsical and Lucid Charts, and everyone kind of each team kind of uses their own thing once in a while, and multiple GitHub repositories. So keeping all that information up to date is also uh, very challenging because it's it is constantly changing. We were agile, so it changes all the time, and keeping that up to date for everybody, especially with the public, is important and it takes time. Absolutely. So I want to talk just briefly about some of the, and, and I know that we're starting to run out of time here, but, you know, one of the things I, I do want to mention though, is, you know, obviously this is a unique project, this sort of, you know, when I think back to a lot of the decoupled Drupal architectures I've worked on, or a lot of the um, static site generator architectures I've worked on, this is one of those really unique kinds, kinds of architectures. And so, you know, Neil, I think this is a huge accomplishment, you know, obviously props to both you and the entire uh, VA tech team. What are some of the things that you all are most proud of? And what are some of the things that kind of, you know, get you up in the morning and, and you know, get that coffee in your system and, and get you to work? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's the, honestly, it's the people, everyone across the team, our platform team on, on all of our teams, we're all service-minded, mission-focused people. We understand the veterans and we understand the service we're providing. We understand how important it is. And at the end of the day, even with the arguments and pseudo-political stuff, it, it, it we all realize that we all, we all can come together on that vision, right? And which is great. It, it really helps keep you going. We are, our team, like I said, we have, not only is our project an open source, we do issues in open source, we do a lot of contributions back to Drupal.org. We, we sponsor where we can. We have a lot of several open source projects. We have our GitHub page, Department of Veteran Affairs. You can look us up. We've, we, we continue that way. We have lots of really great ideas for open source editorial experience projects coming in the future that I can't wait to be part of. Um, when we we deep speak at Drupal GovCons. We, we try to lead the way in, in Drupal government open source. Um, and really, we're, we're focused on doing things the right way, not necessarily always the easy way. So we, we have really great understanding from top down that doing things the right way saves money and time, saves money over time. So it may be more expensive now, but in a year, it's going to be cheaper. And that's a mindset. And go back to you know understanding we're spending tax dollars. So that's a mindset we have all the time. I'm um, doing things the right way. Just and we have that support top down all the time. Absolutely. And and by the way, just a note for those who are listening here, the VA has a Drupal page. That's Drupal.org slash Department of Veterans Affairs, Department of Veterans Affairs separated by hyphens. Um, amazing, amazing contribution coming from one of the most important and essential agencies in our federal government. Um, and, and I just love that, you know, I think that one of the things, especially in this polarized political environment, I think one of the things that we can all agree on, right, is, is uh, taking care of those who have, you know, made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. So um, next thing I wanted to talk about was the future. 
You know, I think, and this is where we'll probably end things. Unfortunately, though, I imagine the, you know, we could probably have a three hour long conversation about these things. I'm very yep. interested in, in like, I really want to dig into a lot of these pieces more with you, but like, you know, you, you mentioned some editorial improvements, you mentioned some interesting stuff coming up on the, on the open source roadmap. You know, I know that you're looking at Gatsby. What are some of the things that you're looking at in the future? What is VA.gov going to look like potentially in two, three or five years? That's great questions. And right middle of those planning sessions this next quarter of what we're going to team and figuring out, like we kind of have some North Star getting principles. So the main one is we want, by the time when an editor press is published, we want the content to be live in a minute. We, we spent some time talking about how hard that's going to be today. And that that's really, that's like a main thing, getting that content live as quick as possible. So what does that look like? Is it Gatsby? Is it, is it still Meadowsmith? Is it, you know, what is that tech? We don't know that yet. And that's actually the exciting part for me because I love that solution discovery and just figuring out what we're going to do. Um, some cool things we have on the Drupal side. We, we, we did a, a great amount of user, user research last year for a system we're calling EWA. So kind of got it off of EWOC without the K, EWA. And we call it editor, editorial workflow and assignments. So building off of Drupal's workspaces, building off of Drupal core, um, the revision system, real site, real time previews, revisionable previews. And I'd like to share a link. The all, it's all public, all the real user research and designs we've already put into this. And that's coming up this next year. It's going to be really, really cool, exciting stuff. I have a pretty big background in, in revisional preview. I made a system in Drupal seven called site preview system, SPS. I was part of a an initiative on that. And that was a lot of, that was a lot of fun, real complex, real great project. I mean, building on top of that, building on top of work others have done, you know, standing on the giants of Drupal and just trying to reach a little higher is all we're, all we're doing. It's, it's, it's going to be pretty cool stuff. Well, Neil, I, I, I had no idea that you worked on SPS because I was a user of site preview system myself. So Where are you? Okay. Uh, I used some of your code back in the day. I'm very <laughs> happy to have done that. That's amazing. I, I hope it did good for you. I, that was a, that was a very fun project for me when I when we did that one. Yeah. I mean, that was an incredible, you know, I think, I think SPS, you know, for those who who don't know much about kind of Drupal history and, and how, how things were about, oh gosh, five, five or six yeah, years ago now, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, SPS really was revolutionary. I mean, the fact that you could have this completely comprehensive holistic preview approach that encompassed your entire site and gave you that complete peace of mind. It's, it's something that is still rare in the industry. I don't, I don't yeah. think, you know, it's still very rare today. So very hard. Um, yeah. it's very difficult and it's a huge <laughs> achievement. Well, you know, this is really cool. I'm excited. I've got all of these links open myself, Neil, and uh, we'll obviously provide all the links as well to our viewing audience, our listening audience. Um, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you all so much for hopping on this uh, webinar or podcast today with <laughs> Tag One Team Talks. One thing I did want to say, by the way, Neil, is I've actually got uh, a book coming out very soon on Gatsby. So uh, I'll send you a copy once it's ready to go. Um, it'll probably be after you've already made your decision, but, <laughs> you know, maybe it'll, it'll, it'll be something that I could add to your shelf. You know. Anyways, uh, thank you so much. And uh, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to see more of this, if you want to bring Neil back to talk about Tugboat QA, if you want to bring Neil back to talk more about some of these exciting uh, new projects that they're working on around the White House APIs at va.gov, remember to upvote, subscribe, let us know how you feel about this webinar, share it with your friends and family, with your grandma who's still at home, uh, unable to leave because of coronavirus. Uh, make sure to check out our past talks at tag1.com slash tag one team talks. And as always, we'd love to hear your feedback, any suggestions you have about any topics, uh, write to us at tag one team talks at tag one.com. 
And uh, just want to say once again, thank you so much, Neil. It was a real pleasure to have you. It's uh, always a pleasure to hear about some of the amazing things going on. And uh, thank you also to Michael Myers. And uh, we'll see you next time.